Welcome back in to another episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. I'm Clay Sweet, and as always, co-host and producing Jeff Rossett. Jeff, we've got an exciting episode again uh, this week. We enjoy the springtime. We kind of go every other week, every week and a half, and we mix in a game of the week. And so we hope our listeners have enjoyed kind of a, a not as regular um, schedule, but We've enjoyed some of the freedom here in the spring. Yep, and we've had some good interviews uh, this spring too. We, like you said, we touch a little, uh, we touch a little uh, softball, we touch a little baseball, we touch a little basketball during the spring. We touch a little bit of everything, but we had some uh, some great guests this spring. Yeah, we've certainly been fortunate uh, with our guest list. Much like I'm fortunate to have you, uh, making sure this gets out every week and the job that you do editing down and, and producing the podcast. So, Jeff, we've got uh, three in the lineup this week. Who's batting leadoff for us? Yeah, batting leadoff is going to be Christy Meets, the uh, PRCC head softball coach. They just come off a big doubleheader sweep against Northeast uh, Community College, and you'll hear her talk about uh, talk about that. And they've already clinched uh, postseason eligibility, so they're just basically setting back, Clay, and waiting to see who they're going to play because some of the regular season is still wrapping up this week. That's right. It was a pleasure to visit um, with her. And then in the two spot tonight, Garrett Green, he's the voice of the Biloxi Shuckers. The Shuckers about a week out from getting underway. So we got a preview with him and then also give our listeners a, a little better chance to get to know Garrett Green. He's the play-by-play voice of the Biloxi Shuckers, and we appreciate it spending some time with him. And then in that three spot, Jeff, yep, three. Rod Walker, uh, yep, no no stranger to the folks here in Mississippi. Jeff, I stepped on you. Go ahead. No, I was going to – I didn't know whether you was going to go into it or not, but, yeah, Rod Walker, like you said, no <laughs> – Hey, that's always the case, isn't it? <laughs> we, we still in COVID mode, so you can't see me. I'm a live wire when we're in person. <laughs> much, less, much less when we're at a distance, right? Yeah, we, we're at a distance, and we'll, we'll get back into a face-to-face as uh, as the season progresses and gets into football. But, man, it's always great to visit with Rod, and no better – person that you know has his ear to the ground covering everything saints and pelicans down there uh for the for the uh avenues and and the people he reaches in new orleans yeah it was cool like you said to catch up with rod made his name really here on this side of the state line at the clarion ledger and then has gone on to do great work uh there covering the pelicans and the saints for the times picayune and the advocate. So, uh, Jeff, once again, I appreciate you. I appreciate our guests and sponsors. Sit back and enjoy another awesome episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Are you an avid gym enthusiast, a part-timer, or just a brand-new beginner? Well, CrossFit 534 is the place for you. CrossFit 534 is an encouraging group training facility located at 104 West Magnolia Street in downtown Poplarville. Their mission is to create a stronger version both physically and mentally of you when life outside the gym demands it. They have coach-led classes to accommodate all schedules from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Once again, that's CrossFit 534 in downtown Poplarville. Check them out on Facebook at CrossFit 534. Eli and China Oder pride themselves on the way that they serve their customers. 
With that being said, they have recently formed the Magnolia Insurance Services to take care of all your business, trucking, property, and vehicle insurance needs. Please call 601-590-3676. That number again is 601-590-3676 for any of your insurance needs here in Pearl River County. We're excited now to be joined by PRCC's head softball coach, Christy Meeks. Coach Meeks, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Hey, no problem. Yes, sir. Coming off a big sweep on the road, uh, Coach Meeks finishes up a a great regular season with a mark of 27 and 13. A good regular season. Now we wait to see what's next. Is that right, Coach Meeks? That is correct, yes. We're very thankful and blessed to have made it into postseason. So we're waiting to see kind of what that looks like for us. And to go on the road, that's a awfully long road trip, too. And uh, to be able to sweep, that makes that bus drive back from northeast a little shorter? It makes it a lot shorter, yes, and a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> and you had two freshmen get it done in the circle. That's kind of been the theme of, of your year when you have Birch and Embry in particular being able to get it done. How, What a luxury that is to be able to count on not, not one but two in the circle. That's exactly right. You know, we have, um, we have a sophomore. Um, I call her a sophomore. She's a COVID sophomore. Um, but Danielle Lalonde, who's just been a great leader for our pitchers. Um, she bought into us last year and so being able to have that on our staff and having some really talented freshmen to to buy in and her leading that um you know she she's more of a closer for us and um Birch and Embry are more of our starters in that in that sense but um Danielle has really just led them in a direction that they have bought in and caught on and man Embry has just done a fantastic job with that, and the same with Birch. I'm, I'm very proud of both of them, and, and you know, all of our kids have really just um, gotten this family atmosphere and uh, bought into it and are really excited about it. Coach, when you look at your conference record, 19-9, and nine, we talk about the pitch, and most good teams uh, do pitch it good. Y'all's ERA on the year is like three and a half, your opponent's of course, up over uh, six. And so the bats, though, when you look at the way that y'all uh, hit the softball as well, really a, a complete a complete performance, a complete team throughout the year. Yes, sir. Um, you know, that's definitely a testament to, to my assistant coach, um, Hannah Spark. She handles our hitting. And um, my other assistant coach, Simone McKinney, who, who works with our slappers, um, I had the privilege of working with our pitching staff. And so, you know, um, Coach Sparks and Coach McKinney, they, that offensive side of things has just emerged. Um, I handed that into Coach Sparks' hands, and, and just getting to watch her show her passion to these girls has been amazing. Um, you know, and they, they buy into exactly what she teaches them. It's nothing that changes their swing takes exactly what they have been working on for 18, 19 years and just brings it to another level. And it's so fun to watch, you know, and that's, that's what we hope to do with pitching and that's what we hope to do with every aspect of our 
of our game. Um, so, yes, I agree. I, I think our hitting has just really emerged and we've been able to make a um, Our girls are, are smart enough in the box and, and they've been taught well enough to make adjustments themselves, you know, and think for themselves. And, and man, it's just been great to see and watch. A team that's batting over 340, and anybody that's watched this game, for an individual to be up over that bar is very impressive to me, but for a team to hit at, at that level is, is certainly impressive. Yes, and, and it's to see, you know, it's not just our our starters, it's our kids who come off the bench and can make a major difference. You know, um, yesterday, that second win at Northeast, I, I mean, I think every one of our girls got in the game at some point and contributed, and and how awesome it is for them to understand these are team wins. These are not individual wins. Coach, you talked about your staff by name just moments ago. Um, when you look at their resume coming to Pearl River Community College, certainly winners um, at, at the levels that that they played at, how, how big is that to, for them to be able to pour in uh, to your program and really speak from a spot, hey, we've won um, at this level and we know what it takes. Yeah, that, that's so cool to me. You know, our girls, they really see the passion that each one of us have. But, you know, really speaking on Coach McKinney and, and Coach Sparks' part, they have been at a prestigious Juco's and then turning around and going to fantastic four years. Um, you know, they can really speak life into everything that they say. I've been in this position. I need you to listen to what I'm saying, buy into this. You know, it's just awesome to watch that. Coach, how cool was it to get uh, Paso to come back uh, to the program from being at Southern Miss, that experience that she's had on the Division One level and what that brings to your lineup? Man, what leadership. Um, you know, when, when she came in, I remember sitting in the office with her dad and her, and um, I remember just looking into her eyes and seeing her heart, and, and she just told me, she said, Coach, I want to be somewhere where I can leave a legacy, and, um, and I want to leave my legacy big. And I was like, man, this is exactly where you need to be. And so being able to say that and being able to see her just explain from the passion that she has for this game again and the love and it's been so much fun to watch. Um, she's such a leader for every aspect of the game, whether it's on defense, whether it's to our pitchers, whether it's to our hitters. You know, she leads by our actions, but she also leads by her words and, and we're so blessed to have that. Coach, you talk about passion and love. The way that y'all um, dedicate or, or have games, your home games, at times sponsored by a, a certain cause or something that y'all are going after. I was able to hear you um, speak to a, a good friend of mine, David Barnett, on a local radio broadcast, and you kind of went into it, and I was like, man, that, that, this is really cool stuff. But if you would kind of tell our listeners what, I, what I'm talking about, what I've kind of made a mess of of introducing here, but uh, what y'all do for some of your home games. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, you know, when we first got here, we wanted our community to be involved with our girls and our girls to make that effort to be involved with the community. And so 
Um, you know, the very first year we talked to our players and, and talked to our, you know, our staff and, and we just said some things that were really passionate and weighed heavy on our heart. Um, you know, my little boy has regular implants and, and my sister just passed away from colon cancer. Um, you know, some girls on our team had, one girl in particular had diabetes and, and so did our athletic director at the time. Um, there was just a couple of things that just laid heavy on, on a, some of us. So we chose six games to theme every year. Um, and with those six games, they can be different kinds of things. You know, this year we did colon cancer, um, breast cancer. We did a military appreciation game. We did a um, diabetes game. And then I, I want to say um, the last two were autism awareness um and i think it was if i'm not mistaken um you had a hearing loss awareness game yeah um awareness and so it was just so much fun to to get our girls involved in the community every time we had something someone came out um, you know, we teamed up with the hearing loss game. We teamed up with the facility in Hattiesburg um, through USM, and they sent a couple of kids um, plus my son. And oh, it was so much fun! Mm. They got to go out on the field with our girls um, during our our autism game. Uh, and I want to say that was last year. You know, we teamed up with three different facilities, and and they brought kids down. It's just really cool to to watch and to see how our girls can get involved in the community. Coach, just recently, I think it's been in the last week, um, the community college there, uh, I believe it was Patrick Oaks and his team, it may have been internal to your group, but a Dear Softball uh, video where it has your players speaking to their love of the game and being able to tip their cap back to people that's uh, help nurture that love for this game. What a beautiful tribute um, that was, and how did that idea come about, or uh, what's the backstory on that? Yeah, so um, last year, the sophomores that, that we were able to have last year didn't get a um, sophomore day. So um, it was taken away by COVID, and, and at that point, we just um, sat down and started thinking, how could we how can we tribute something to them um, and make them feel really special, you know, because they, they had their season taken away from them. And so um, we came up with this, and, and Patrick and Mark helped us a lot. So um, this started last year for us, but but this year we, we continued that tradition and kind of added a little other spin onto it. It was their, their sophomore day videos and um, how cool it was just for them to be able to thank people um, that they wanted to thank and, and be sentimental in that aspect without being emotional in the game. Um, none of our girls like that um, <laughs> to be, you know, weepy emotional or show their weaknesses, they said, um, in the middle of the game. So they, they all joked and said, I want to turn my emotions off during sophomore day. And um, I just kind of laughed and I said, you know, well, let's do this prior to that. And that way you guys can thank and, and be appreciative for everything that you get. Um, this game means a lot to all of you. You've invested so many hours and, and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this. And so they did, and, man, that was just so cool to watch. 
It really was. And you said emotion. It's hard to uh, sit there and not uh, get teary-eyed. So that was a, a very good move on y'all's behalf to not have that before a competitive uh, environment. So a, a good coaching move there. Yeah, most definitely. Our girls joke, you know, they, they are emotional. And this game is emotional. Um, it's so awesome that God gives us the ability to be passionate about things. And so for us to have that, that ability to be emotional about something, you know, they want to, they want to take that and put it into a positive light, not a light that's going to make them sad throughout the day. So it's really cool to see that. Coach, and we, we speak about this game and of course this is, um, your line of business, but what a game, right? And it's just has spread like wildfire through our country. And I don't know that there's a game that's growing anymore than this than this game that we're describing and when you go see it you'll you'll be hooked immediately that's exactly right it's so fast um you know and and it's just so so intense um it's getting better and better and better every year something new comes out something different comes out hitters are getting stronger um pitching is getting stronger you you know you a couple of years ago um when i played uh it's the game was even slower than it is right now. You know, I mean, it's just every second it grows and you learn something different and learn something new to try and do. So it's really cool to see how much softball has increased and how much more we're trying to listen and, and be more like baseball in the sense of growing in that area. Um, I, I love it. I'm so excited about where it's headed and, just empowering these young ladies to realize that they have a they have a passion about something to go after it. Yeah, it is incredible. And I think on the on the flip side of that, baseball may be peeking over and saying, Boy, that pace of the game over there is something we want more of. So it's kinda of cool to see the interaction between the two. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. And speaking of baseball Coach Avalon and his group right across from y'all the season that y'all have had in the regular season to be able to see them cap uh, a state championship this weekend. You can kind of play off of or have some of that momentum going out at, at the complex, the dub, and then where you're situated right there. That's a pretty good uh, play off of one another as well. Man, what a special place Pearl River is. Um, you know, we're a family over here when it comes to this coaching staff and, um, you know, watching baseball and being able to take a state championship, how cool that is and and what that means to the school and, and all of our programs. Um, you know, we support each other. We played Southwest here at our place and baseball and soccer, volleyball, basketball, football, they were all out in the back supporting us and, and when baseball plays and we're not on the road, we're there supporting them. Um, tonight is a big soccer game against um, Gulf Coast, and it's here at our place, and, and we're headed over there in a few hours to go and support them and, and cook out and just pump our sports here on campus. You know, it's special to be an athlete, and it's special to be an athlete here at Pearl River. Yeah, the river certainly a special place. When we first came on, Coach, we said, you know, we were going to have to wait and see. Any heads up on what's next for this Pearl River softball program? Like, what will the playoffs kind of look like, Coach? What what do we know about what is next? 
We know um, as of right now, we are fifth in our conference, um, which is which is huge for us. You know, um, it's a very tough conference. Out of the 16 teams that are that are in our conference, eight of them have been ranked throughout the year. Wow. Um, so it's a very tough conference, and how blessed we are to be in that that fifth seat. Um, so I'm not really sure. You know, this week we've got a lot of makeup games. Um, Northwest is making up a, a lot of games. Um, you know, Cohen and and Southwest and a lot of them are playing. So that'll kind of settle what it looks like in our conference and where state playoffs will be held um, and kind of who will play is based on this next week. Well, Coach, continued success. I know you're a busy person. We appreciate you letting us spend some time with you today and stealing some time. So thank you. No, no problem at all. I really enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for keeping up with us. And, you know, anytime, anytime I'd love to, to be on here with y'all. Well, thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. No problem. Y'all have a great day, and um, definitely the river's rising. Did you know the number one GM volume dealership of all of 2020 was here in Little Picayune, Mississippi? No, it wasn't in Jackson, Hattiesburg, or the bustling Gulf Coast. It was at Mossy of Picayune. That's right, Mossy of Picayune. Car buyers are driving hours for a great price and a great customer buying experience. At Mossy, you can shop, drive, and compare Chevy, Cadillac, Buick, and GMC all in one location. If a certified or pre-owned vehicle is what you're looking for, Mossy has a huge selection of trades and all-fleece vehicles to choose from. You can see their entire lineup with pictures, prices, and hundreds of vehicles at MossySuperstore.com. That's MossySuperstore.com. Come in today and see why Mossy of Picune sells so many vehicles or call the management team, Frank Bonanno, Keith Henry, or Roy Penton at 601-798-7575 to schedule your appointment today. Hey everybody, have you heard about the new restaurant in town, Creekside Coffee Cafe? Stop by and get a cup of your favorite coffee, made by one of our great baristas, and have some of our yummy breakfast, lunch or dinner, pancakes, the bacon and eggs, the hamburgers, spaghetti and meatballs, bag and cheese, redfish tacos, and so much more. Don't forget the Brownie Alamo. Check us out on Facebook, order online, stop by the drive-thru, or come on in and stay well. That's Creekside Coffee Cafe. We'll make you happy. We're excited now to be joined by Garrett Green, the play-by-play -play voice of the Biloxi Shuckers, and then many other duties which we'll get into. But Garrett, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Absolutely, y'all. Uh, I'm happy to be on. You guys were immensely helpful for me during football season, so I'm glad I can give back a little bit. Yeah, that was uh, neat. I'm glad you uh, took up and, and started a football game of the week there on the Mississippi uh, Gulf Coast. And, and really, that's one of the questions I had for you, Garrett. So we'll start there covering our game, which was a little bit uh, different here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, of course, with with COVID and a pandemic going on, but I saw in your background on your resume where you had done that back in Austin as well. So uh, the different experience between Texas high school football and then Mississippi high school football. 
Well, uh, look, I mean, you know, Friday Night Lights, everybody knows about Texas high school football, but I have to be honest, I did not realize, even with, you know, limited crowds and capacities, the passion that folks down here on the coast have for their for their football teams, and it was just incredible to get out and experience a bunch of different communities. I mean, I, you know, I live, uh, lived in the Iberville, just on the other side of the Back Bay, uh, from the ballpark when I first moved here, and then I'm over in Gulfport now. So those are the two main communities that I've been exposed to. But to get out to, to Van Cleve and Bay St. Louis and Moss Point and Pascagoula and, and really, you know, venture around the coast this year was a, an eye-opening experience. And so the the level of play was a little bit different, but I there, I was really impressed with what the product was on, on Friday nights this last year. That's awesome. I was good. I was anxious to ask you that when I saw it in your background. I said, well, that'll be a, a pretty cool uh, perspective for him to give uh, to our listeners as well. And so, Garrett, that's what I kind of wanted to do. I know plenty of our listeners down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, of course, I know who you are. But your journey to get here to uh, South Mississippi, if you would just kind of lead our listeners on that journey that's landed you here at with the Biloxi Shuckers there at MGM Park. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try and make this brief. So, um, I went to school at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, did the student television station there, um, did some play-by-play for, uh, Texas softball while I was there. That was where I got my start. And then, uh, did high school football and baseball and basketball on internet and terrestrial radio. And then my first job was as a producer board operator. Um, at 1049 The Horn there in Austin, and I worked there for about three and a half years. Um, I did everything from live sports uh, mixing to, uh, you know, afternoon show producing, um, on-air stuff. I ended up hosting my own show that was specifically covering um, high school and local athletics, not related to the University of Texas, for uh, about seven months before I got into uh, baseball, and that was in 2016, um, I took a job as the broadcast and media relations assistant with the St. Paul Saints up in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I moved up there and uh, got my feet wet in baseball that summer, moved back to Texas, worked uh, in Austin for the winter, did stuff with Texas basketball as their on-site engineer uh, for their radio broadcast and for the coaches' shows and things like that. And then I got into the Brewers' system, uh, in 2017, when I went up and worked for the unfortunately now defunct Helena mm. Brewers in Helena, Montana. So I went up there for a summer and did play-by-play for uh, their team, moved back to Texas for the winter. And then in 2018, um, Chris Harris, who was obviously the, the first voice of the Shuckers here, moved on to the Mississippi Braves. So that opened up the door here. I interviewed for the job and was fortunate enough to get it. And I moved here to the coast in 2018, and I have uh, been here ever since. So those trips to the the north that you described, Garrett, now you found your way back south into warmer weather. <laughs> well, I got lucky that the uh, when I was up there, my my trips to Montana and Minnesota were from April through September. So I was there for the the wonderful times of the year. It only had just started snowing in Montana when I uh, left to come back to Texas at the end of September in 2017. Your time here with the Shuckers, Garrett, um, 
Well, of course, COVID, you mentioned the defunct, like minor league baseball, kind of walk our listeners through the the times and, and what COVID has brought to minor league baseball and really how fortunate we are in our state of Mississippi that uh, both the Braves uh, north of here and, the, of course, the Shuckers ha- have survived, which has been a really tough year-and-a-half stretch for minor league baseball. Yeah, minor league, I mean, minor league baseball definitely took it on the chin. Um, and what's crazy is that there was already going to be um, contractions. So there were 160 minor league teams. There are now 120th. Really, the way that a lot of the teams who were unfortunately contracted were going to be able to fight that was having a robust 2020. Well, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so there are 40 fewer teams in affiliated baseball. Now they were reorganized into partner leagues that there's still going to be baseball played in a lot of those markets. But the fact that the team is still here and we get to play baseball um, is a a credit to ownership here with the Shuckers, our relationship that we have here with the city, our relationship that we have with the Brewers, um, all of that that the Brewers wanted us to come back and be their affiliate. And again, this was not... Uh, specifically COVID-related, but in the offseason, uh, we were invited and we signed a 10-year professional development license with the Brewers. So we are set to be the Brewers' double-A affiliate for the next 10 years down here on the coast. And having worked with the organization for, I guess, four or five years now, um, that's, that is a, a really exciting prospect to be a part of the, the crew again. And the, the league looks a little bit different, but it's mostly the same this year. Yeah, that's incredible. Great news for for you, the Brewers, and the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, Garrett, when we open, I said, man, you're about to get into it um, as opening day approaches on May 4th, and you said, Clay, I've been into it. Kind of give our listeners uh, a description of what all duties uh, you have there with the Brewers. I described you as the the play-by-play voice. Um, Tell our listeners there's more to it than that. Yeah, so the, the play-by-play side is the, is the real fun part of the job, and I always tell people that that's my favorite part because I get to sit and I get to watch every pitch every night. Um, but there's, as with every job in minor league baseball, you wear a bunch of hats, and my main other one is that I'm the media relations director here. So all of our press releases that go out, I write those, I curate quotes for them, um, I handle... Um, writing our game day program content, so our, our articles that we do for that. Um, I handle our website, um, so I take care of anything that we have there. Um, and just overall, um, give a hand around the ballpark any way that I possibly can. But the main, the two main duties that I have are handling media relations. So anytime that, you know, one of the news stations reaches out or something like that, if they need a spokesperson to come out, that's generally me to speak on behalf of the, the Shuckers, specifically arranging interviews with players um, and then writing press releases, game notes, post-game recaps, all that stuff falls on, on my plate. And you talked about the joy of seeing uh, baseball basically every night through the season. Garrett, let's go there. Let's go. Um, let's start with the big club, right? Let's start with the Brewers and, and the way that uh, they've started and any feeder-type uh, players up from the Shuckers that have, have made an impact, whether it be with the Brewers or any uh, MLB teams right now? Yeah, so um, right now the Brewers pitching staff is arguably the best 
pitching staff, the starters at least, are arguably the best staff in all of baseball. Um, they're right up there with the Dodgers in the National League um, statistically right now. And four out of the five guys on that staff all pitched here in Biloxi. Wow. Brandon Woodruff obviously headlines that, former Mississippi State product. Um, he has been their ace for the last two years. But then Corbin Burns, who had a rough 2019 um, after he kind of had a breakout year in 2018, um, he got in the pitching lab and got some stuff figured out. And right now he's putting up Jacob DeGrom-esque numbers. He hasn't walked a batter, and he's struck out 40 so far this year. Wow. Um, Freddie Peralta is also a big piece. Both Peralta and Burns were here in 17. Um, and then Adrian Hauser, who had two separate stints with Biloxi, he was on that first team. Um, he came over with Josh Hader in that big trade that the, the Brewers made with the Astros in 2015. And then he was with us in 2018. So all four of those guys are, are leading the rotation. And then at the back end, arguably the most dominant one-two punch in all of baseball right now, Devin Williams, who was on our staff in 2019. Um, he throws that airbender. It's a changeup that spins like a it, it spins like a slider and moves like a screwball, but it's a changeup. Um, and then obviously Josh Hader at the back end of the bullpen. So between those two guys, those are the last three National League relievers of the year um, pitching out of the bullpen. And we've got some other guys scattered around baseball. Trent Grisham was a big name for us in 2019. He's on the San Diego Padres right now. He was a, a big key factor in them. Uh, against the Dodgers the last time that they played, and, and he's been right in the middle of their lineup. He's hitting behind Fernando Tatis Jr. and in front of Manny Machado. <laughs> Pretty um, good spot so to be, right? That's a, if, if that tells you how good of a player he is, to put him in between those two guys, um, he's been he's been pretty dominant. But I know Garrett Cooper is playing a big piece. That's a name that not as many people know about. Um, with the uh, Miami Marlins, and then Mauricio Dubon, who was a fan favorite here in 2017. He's an everyday player with the Giants. So we've got guys all along the, the minor league, along the major leagues, but really right now the story is the pitchers um, on the Milwaukee Brewers staff and, and how well they've been doing. Yeah, just an exceptional staff. And then Grisham there, Gold Glover out in center field last year with, with the yep. Padres. When you look at it, Garrett, some guys, you've mentioned Brewer, some opposing players, if you will, um, through your run as a broadcaster that have just wowed you. And at, at first look, you're like, oh, man, that's what a major leaguer uh, looks like. Yeah, so um, obviously Ian Anderson, who pitches for the Braves, hmm. the first time that we saw him, which was at the back end of 2018, he shut down our offense, which had been rolling right along. That was the guy where you're like, okay, yes, this this guy is legit. Um, I think of Eloy Jimenez. We had him for one series when he was a member of the Birmingham Barons, and I think he hit three home runs against us. Um, as crazy as it sounds, we didn't see him play at all, but uh, Luis Robert, who is obviously mm. another member of the White Sox outfield, the only time that we saw him was when he was here for the All-Star game in 2019, uh, and he started for the North Division. He went like two for three with a, excuse me, with a double and a triple and uh, helped lead the North to a victory. So he, he's another guy who we only saw him for a brief second, but he, 
he's been a legit major leaguer. And then this is a this one's near and dear to my heart. Um, none other than Nick Solak, who's an everyday player for the Rangers right now. He probably finished second in MVP voting in 2018 behind Corey Ray, who won it for us here for the Shuckers. He got traded from the Rays over to um, over to the Rangers, and I'm from Arlington, so I'm a big Ranger fan. So Nick Solak's the guy who's up there playing every day, and he he was the guy who I'm like, oh, this guy's going to translate at the next level. But those are just a couple of names. There are many more, but there are just a few names that kind of stood out that I was like, okay, this guy, no question, he's going to be good at the next level. Garrett, when you look at what this 2021 version of the Shuckers, and I know it's hard to look too far down the road, but at least starting out what this Shuckers club will look like. Well, this club is going to be a lot more like what our 2018 squad was. We had prospects on prospects on prospects in 2018. And we really didn't have that in 19 because all those guys pushed up to AAA. And then everybody else who was a big-name prospect was down in the low minors for the Brewers. But um, Garrett Mitchell, he's the number one prospect for the Brewers. He was their number one draft pick in 2020. He's going to start the year at high A Wisconsin, but I would expect that he gets here pretty soon. Uh, Bryce Terang, he's the number two prospect for the Brewers. He's, he's a guy who they took in the first round in 2018 out of high school. I think that he's going to start the year with us. Ethan Small, who's the number four prospect in the Brewers organization, former Mississippi State hurler, won uh, SEC Pitcher of the Year when he was there at Mississippi State. I'm not positive he's going to start the year with us, but if he's not here to start the year, he's going to be here really quick. Um, so I'm excited to see him. Aaron Ashby, who was the minor league pitcher of the year for the Brewers uh, back in 2019, the last time that we had a minor league season, he was really impressive in spring training. I would expect that we would see him. So there are going to be a lot of big-name guys uh, in the Brewers' prospect rankings who are going to come through Biloxi this year. And I, I think that between the pitching staff we should have and then the guys that we're have playing the field, this is going to be an exciting team this year. And with Mike Guerrero back in charge, I would expect nothing less. Garrett, when you look at the pandemic, of course, still ongoing, how will it affect uh, home games for the Shuckers? And then my second question, which we'll get to, is is your broadcasting for away games. But let's start with the home games from for the Shuckers. How will it impact that? So there are buffer zones that are going to be around the dugout. A um, couple of rows, just to make sure that there's uh, space there. I think that the first row of seats all around the field is also going to be buffered out. Um, but that's really going to be the big impact. Um, otherwise, I think folks are going to find things are going to be a little bit more normal um, than they might have expected. Um, we are going to do some things to make sure there's social distancing as you come to the gate. Um, on the concourse, certainly, we want to break up any kind of big crowds that you might have. We're going to have some really cool options at our concession stand that's going to make it easier for you to not have to stand and wait in line and be able to just pick up your food that we'll be releasing, um, you know, in the next week or two that people are going to find out about. But overall, I think that the game day atmosphere is going to be a little bit more normal than most people were expecting. We're certainly doing everything we can to make sure that when fans come here, they are safe and they feel safe, and it's a clean and, and fun environment, and, and really making sure that people have fun when they come out to the ballpark. And a, and a day like uh, today, Garrett, you described the sun being out 
and you kind of gave me the opening uh, description like you would uh, the fans with what the wind's doing there, but just uh, a beautiful setting there at MGM Park. When you make the rounds, Garrett, that's a that's a pretty nice setup, even comparable uh, to when when you were able to travel to other ballparks. I would think. Yeah, we um, we're spoiled here at MGM Park. The the booth is a good size. The press box, our press box food. Um, every year is rated as the best spread in the southern league there you go. hands down no question um personally i like there's a bathroom that's less than six <laughs> steps outside sure. of my door which for some places you know you got to go out of the press box to go find that always a breeze um it, it is hard to beat here at mgm park we mentioned travel away broadcast um garrett what will that look for like for you well, so I am going to make the trip up to Birmingham for opening day. I'm not going to have the first uh, Biloxi Shuckers game in almost 600 days and not see with my own two eyes. <laughs> um, but after that, uh, at least to start the season, um, I'll be calling uh, road games remotely. So I'm going to call them off monitor, um, very similar to how the Major League guys have all done it right now. It's going to be a little bit different for us because, you know, for the Major League broadcast. Every one of those also has a uh, fully produced television broadcast that goes along with it, that they have a satellite they can get the audio from. We don't have that option here in the minor leagues, so I'm, I'm going to get creative. But trust me, it's not just going to be me talking into, uh, into a microphone. I think we'll have some uh, ambient sound to go along with it. Uh, but for right now, um, the plan for the season, for the most part, is that I'll be uh, calling games off of a monitor for road games. Well, Garrett, we can't wait to for y'all to get started to be able to hear uh, your broadcast. We appreciate, certainly, the Shuckers. We appreciate uh, the play-by-play that you provide for them, and we appreciate your time, man. We know it's a busy time of year for you, so thank you for letting us steal 15 or 20 minutes of your day. Hey, guys, I am thrilled to join any time, and I am just beyond joyous to be talking about the Lexi Shuckers baseball. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of healthcare options. From our internal medicine clinic to advanced surgery and emergency services, from the Highland Center for Women's Health to our primary care and pediatric clinic, our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. I'm Sawyer. Are you tired of shopping for the best injured or the rose premium? Talk to my dad and let him do the shopping for you. Call Ray Hart at A Plus Insurances right here in Begin. For home, auto, business, or life. For all your insurance needs. Call 601 798 8032. A Plus Insurance. The right coverage for the right price. Hey folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. Now thankfully joining the podcast is Rod Walker, sports columnist for the Times-Picayune, New Orleans advocate. You can find his work there and then also on nola.com rod thanks for taking time for the podcast 
Oh, anytime, man. I see that 228 number, I'll always answer. <laughs> 228, and, 228 and 601, man. I'll answer those. 662. Yeah. yeah, Mississippi guy. Of course, many of our listeners familiar with Rod Walker's work back at his time at the Clarion Ledger. So us Mississippi fellas have to stick together. So thanks again, Rod. Uh, you're on the other side of the border now, of course, co- covering the Saints and the Pelicans. So that's where we'll start, Rod. Draft week, a big week in the NFL, of course, and just following along with some of your, your mock work and, and your build-up uh, to the draft. We'll get to that in a minute, but I wanted to start with the cool series you've put together, a seven-part series where you're breaking down uh, the best picks from each round historically for the Saints. How fun has that been to work on? It's been fun. It's been a lot of work because you want to – I want to make sure I don't, like, just overlook somebody who's pretty obvious. So, I mean, you you go through that list of all the draft picks each um, each round and just – yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's some of the some days are really, really hard. Like, I, I think it was the sixth round. Uh, and basically what I do is I do a top five for each round. So, anyway, the day that I did the sixth round, it was really tough because it was just tough finding five good players they drafted in that round. And uh, Fred McAfee, who – who's also from Mississippi, he happened to be number one on that list. And, I mean, you know, Fred was a really good player. But, you know, you, when you think of all the Saints players that they've ever drafted, you wouldn't think that, you know, Fred McAfee's probably the number one guy on the list of guys. He's the best six-round guy. And, you know, it's been – so it's pretty tough. But, then, you know, today we did the second round, and um, it was Ricky Jackson. He was the top of the list, and he was pretty obvious. I mean, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer that they got in the second round. And Michael Thomas was the second guy on my list. For today and he's you know we all know the numbers he's put up in his his years here with us his five years here with the Saints so yeah it's been a pretty fun um, series to do I have one more and I have to do the first round I'll finish that up today and uh, obviously some really good good names on that first round list and I knew you know you know going into it that the first round is going to be the hardest one <laughs> so here I am so I'm, I'll be trying to figure that out today yeah I thought uh, the I guess it was in the first paragraph the can't block Ricky and can't guard Mike. That was a pretty good start to the the column today. That was a excellent read. And anytime Dalton Hilliard's basically third on on any list, that's a a, a pretty good list, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, he was one of um. I think I've had three LSU guys total. It was Dalton Hilliard for the second round, and I had the Hokey guys on and. Hmm. Maybe Eric Martin, I think they were like in that the first list I did, which was the seventh round and later, because there was a time when the NFL obviously did more than seven rounds, so we just sort of lumped anybody who's drafted in the seventh, eighth, ninth, I don't know, we put all of them in one in uh, one column. So, yeah, it was, uh, again, it was a fun series to do. I'm, I'm glad to have it over with because it turned out being like a much harder <laughs> choice than I thought. When I, when I thought of the idea, I thought, oh, this would be cool, and then once I started doing it, I was like, whoa, this is, this is a lot, so... Well, that's what I was just reading it and seeing how you've, you know, pieced it together. I was like, man, this is a ton on him. And then leading into the actual drafts and then the mocks that y'all have been able to put together. So you've been plenty busy. Yeah, yeah. You know, those mock drafts, um, they're always tough, especially when you're picking for a team that has such a late, um, pick, you know, the Saints don't pick till the 28th. I mean, when you're picking that late, it's just sort of tough because you just, so many things can happen between pick one and pick pick twenty seven. So, yeah, and, and the past couple of years, I mean, the Saints have been for the most part picking pretty <clears throat> pretty late in the draft. So it's always been hard, and you just kind of you 
know, throwing something to the wall and hope it sticks a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we are. But Yeah, it's funny. I guess Eli Manning uh, sticking local here had a great tweet over the weekend. And I realize y'all's job, y'all basically – have to do this but his tweet was you know we mock what we don't understand and i thought man that is just uh that is just a perfect tweet coming out this weekend yeah, i didn't even see it but that is great because that's that's exactly what we're doing we're just you know we're just guessing and um we obviously we don't get to go in those rooms with those teams and we're not sitting in the meetings and we don't know who they value we know who we value as outside of looking in but we don't really know who they value so we just you know, we, we look at the roster, we look at what we think they need and what we think they want, and, you know, we do our best guess on that. And, you know, sometimes we may get it right, but normally we won't probably. Well, inside we of y'all – well, Rod, inside of y'all's room there, though, it looks like um, as far as columnists, journalists go, y'all are pretty consensus on defensive back first round and then stay in defense uh, second round just – from the two or three that I've looked at that y'all put together? Yeah, everyone that I've um, – we've done three. and um, Everyone I've done, I've picked a cornerback. And actually, I picked the same cornerback twice. I picked um, – uh, yeah, I picked Greg Newsom twice, the cornerback uh, from, from Northwest. And then I picked Caleb Farley, uh, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, the other time. And uh, for me, it was just a matter of whichever one was available. And I think each time that was – one of them available and one wasn't available. So, um, yeah, I, I just think – and Sean Payton, you know, he talked last week at the at dessert classic after a um, celebrity um, golf outing they had. And, you know, he, he actually you – know, he came out and said that cornerback was – you know, that's, that's their need. And it's pretty obvious with the team losing Janoris Jenkins um, during the um, – during free agency. So, uh, they definitely need a cornerback. And, I mean, he didn't specifically say they're going to – address that in the draft, but I mean, they could, you know, maybe try to wait and find one out there, but I mean, I just, to me, if, if there's one this good available at 28 with with those two guys, or, I mean, some of those guys are going to be gone. Obviously, Patrick Sertain, he'll be gone, and, you know, but if they could get a really good corner at 28, I think they have to jump on it. I don't know. They, I don't know if they have to wait to the second round when, when one of those guys are right there available. Boy, you you mentioned Patrick. What a player his dad was at at Southern Miss, huh, Rod? Yeah, no, no doubt. And he's a guy. It's funny, man, because he you know he's he's from here and from New Orleans, and I guess you don't really know that. I grew up in Mississippi, like I didn't really realize like all the guys who were from New Orleans and just from this area. Who I mean, a lot of guys up at you know different like Ole Miss, like Mike Wallace, for instance. I mean. There's just so many guys that I just never realized they were from <laughs> from New Orleans until I moved here. I started hearing their name. I was like, wow, okay, I didn't know that. So, yeah, he was definitely a great player. And his son's a great player, too. So, Rob, when you look at the Saints, this time of year, everybody, I mean, it, you're getting new guys, so there's a reason to be optimistic and new hope. But is this the most unrest you've seen kind of out of the, the fan base? Of course, Drew not, not going to be there is going to create that. But – that position not being really locked down, just a, a peculiar type offseason here for the Saints because it's been more subtraction than additions. Yeah, it has been very different. I mean, they haven't made any – I mean, they've signed a few guys in free agency, but no big splat, no big name guys. Just, you know, they've just been – like you just said, yeah, <laughs> losing a lot of guys, a lot of key pieces. Um, 
Uh, and then obviously Drew's the big question as far as who's going to replace him. And um, obviously they, you know, they're saying it's going to be a quarterback battle between Jameis and Taysom. And you know, that's about that. I, I think Jameis is going to probably win that battle. I could be totally wrong, but I think the Saints are probably in better position if, if Jameis wins it, just because it allows you still, you know, it allows them to use Taysom in that role that he's been able to play. And uh, you know, it's kind of an extra weapon for Sean Payton. But um, yeah, definitely some some uncertainty. But I don't think this team. I think James or whoever wins the quarterback battle can do fine because I think they have enough weapons around them. And I think the defense, I mean, they, you know, they carried this team a lot of times last season. It's going to be a matter of finding that other cornerback. And if they find that other cornerback, I think the team is going to be fine. You look at the schedule, it's not, it doesn't appear to be too daunting this year. They have the AFC East and the NFC East, which, I mean, so, I mean, I think they'll, you know, it's not like they're playing the toughest divisions in the, in the league, but obviously I think Tampa Bay is probably past the Saints up, even though the Saints beat them twice in the regular season. But I mean, this is a team I think is they, I think 10 or 11 wins is still realistic for this team. Uh, I just, that just, this <laughs> my gut that I just think, I don't think they've lost enough that people should hit the panic button. They won't be one of the favorites like they've been the past, you know, two or three seasons. But I do think there's a, there can be a playoff team. And I guess as fans, you look at it, Rod, you, you can't really compare that you're losing Drew at full strength. The reality is we're losing Drew and, and what he was last year. And then to see the comments uh, postseason, whatever whatever those may mean. But it looks like he played healthy maybe one or two ball games last year. So it's not like we're, uh, we're in the Saints replacing a full strength Drew either. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think fans should – should take note of that because yeah, I mean this is this is definitely not the it wasn't the MVP Drew that that this team is losing. So I mean you you're losing a guy who yeah I mean I mean and you saw some of the issues he faced. I mean throwing the deep ball wasn't his strength toward the end of his his career and um and I think you know I think it may have ended up kind of hurting the Saints a little bit. You know they weren't able to do some of the things and you know I think the offense was a little you know had his hands tied a little bit. Um, and this year, I think they'll be able to open it up a little bit more, especially if they can get a, a really good downfield threat at receiver. And that's something else I think this team may be looking for in this draft. So, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders in free agency as well. So, yeah, I think um, I think offensively this team could be even more explosive this year. I mean, I just think, I just think James allows them to do some things that, that they normally wouldn't do. And I'm saying James as if he's already won the job. So I apologize for that. No, well. And I think that's kind of, I mean, because here with the money that you have invested in him, I mean, it's obvious uh, to me that the gadget or, or however you want to describe it, if he's your every down quarterback, all that that goes away. Right, right. That's that's my thing. That's why I think James, I think the, the team is in much better shape as James wins his position. Now, another thing, though, this team, you know, most of those guys are just on one-year contracts, and if, if James comes in and totally flops and, if Taysom can't get it done, I mean, this team is, you know, if you look ahead to 2022, I mean, this team is <laughs> kind of in trouble then. I mean, they have to, they'd have to find them somebody who can get the job done. Because they still have the pieces around, and they're going to have to have a, a good quarterback. So, I mean, they need Jameis or Taysom to work out. It would be interesting to see. We mentioned the MVP and Drew Brees, a guy who I think has got MVP certainly in his future, and we'll switch gears to the Pelicans and, Rod, it's been uh, a down year, really not even meeting the low expectations that have come in for the Pelicans, but what a 
start to a career by Zion. I don't, you know, it's kind of lost in, in everything that I just described exactly how good that Zion has started his career. Yeah, it's been it's been incredible. I, I still don't know if the people around the country have got a chance to really see what he's doing because the team's not doing well. And, you know, and they've been on TV a lot, but, you know, there have been some TV games where he didn't really play that well. But for the most part, I mean, he has been incredible. I mean, and I've I've been taking some of my friends and telling them, like, I think we're watching something that we've never seen before. I mean, mm-hmm. this dude is, like, just unstoppable. And they moved into this quote-unquote point Zion position where he's mm-hmm. bringing the ball up court and facilitating the offense that he has. And this was probably like the beginning of February when they made that transition fully. And he's just been dominant. I mean, he just get to the paint and, and what he's shooting from the his field goal percentage is incredible. I mean, he just he gets to the basket and he can finish. And so, um, yeah, it, it's been phenomenal just watching him. And um, unfortunately, you know, I don't know if this team's going to get in the playoffs and in the play-in tournament because Right now, they're four and a half games behind Golden State for that last spot, and they do play Golden State three times. So, I may have to pretty much have to sweep them and still get some help, you know, somewhere down the road. I just don't know if that's possible because this team is—they just struggle so bad finishing close games. I mean, they've this is a team that very well could have, you know, six or seven more wins and be all they could be, you know. Seven, six or seven seed probably, but they just can't finish games. And, you know, that's something that, you know, at some point you don't want to say, oh, this team is young. They, I mean, at some point they have to grow up and <laughs> figure out how to finish these games. They just have not been able to do it. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's what's going to keep them out of the play-in tournament and, or the playoffs or whatever. So, um, yeah, they're going to have to – they need to add some pieces in the offseason because what they have now, they're just not quite Kenny Dye. I think Zion and, and Brandon Engler play really well. Lonzo plays really well sometimes at first. And I think Steven Adams does what he does well, but they're still lacking some outside shooting. And I think, need, I think they need this one guy on the roster that's just a veteran who's just tough and they're getting guys' faces and, you know, hold them accountable after losses. Because right now I just think – I think when this team loses, it's like, oh, man, we lost again. And it's, you don't really see any urgency. And I think they just need that guy who's going to come in and, and, and let them know how important it is to um, – to be able to finish these games off. Right, when you look at the coaching change that has resulted in Van Gundy, that you know, you kind of thought that's the guy that they were, you know, bringing in to fit fit that mold too, but even his post conference yeah. uh comments after these close losses, time they almost kind of look like rents and repeat and and maybe that's not fair to him, but uh, when you lose so many close games, and then you've seen the top end of the Pelicans too, right? They've beaten some teams that yeah. are really in the top of the standing. So this has been just so such an erratic uh, team, and and some of that has to fall on coaching. How, I guess what I'm getting at is, how would you grade uh, Van Gundy in the in the job he's done with the Pels? Uh, I'd say it's been it's been pretty average. I mean, the, the inconsistency is the same thing that. You know, we've seen the same inconsistency under uh, under Alvin Gentry. Yeah. And, you know, he just, he just this is the most unpredictable team. Yeah. Uh, to have, like if you're, yeah, you almost feel sorry for the Pelicans fans because they have to. I mean, every game. I mean, you just never know what you're gonna get out of this team. They they can beat some really good teams. They'll lose something that like how did this happen? And uh, so I mean, I, and yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that that falls on the coach. And when 
this team is not doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, that was the game last week um, when um, Eric Blesso just said he wasn't focused, so he just kind of forgot what he was supposed to do and he was supposed to foul somebody. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at, at some point, that has to be that's the coach's job to make sure the players know what they're supposed to do. And I think a lot of this may fall on the fact that we had the short off season, and with this COVID, like the way the schedule is this season, teams aren't practicing as much as they typically would. They're there are fewer fewer days between games, so you know teams are like you know they're on the road playing back to backs in different cities, and so I mean it, it has been tougher I think as far as um, instilling what you want to instill in these teams. But man, there are other teams who are going through the same thing, and they're I mean you look at the Knicks, they won eight in a row, I think eight in a row, and the Wizards won eight in a row, whatever their winning streak is. The, the Knicks may have actually won nine in a row, but anyway, I mean so I mean you look at these teams who. For the most part, these are kind of young teams too, and you know they're finding ways to to, to win. So um, you can't just use that for an excuse. But I do think that has a, has played a role in it for this team. Yeah, my son is ten, Ryan. I told him, you know, we were having you on um, yesterday when we confirmed the interview. I said, and he's a big Pelicans fan. I said, you know, if you were going to ask E about the his name's Easton, I said, if you were going to ask the Pelicans, he said, I asked Rod how they could be so good, but then be so bad. I said, well, that's actually a pretty good question there. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah. and then the second question, and I, and I kind of agree with this one, you know, he's young, so he doesn't remember Chris Paul, but he certainly does uh, AD leave. And he said, ask him um, <laughs> how nervous we should be about Zion in the future. And so I guess that's kind of, uh, Pelicans fans always going to loom when you have a star. Uh, how long will he yeah. be willing to stay? That second contract type question. Oh yeah, definitely a fair question. And I think uh, I don't think it's time for anybody to panic right now. It's year two. It's Zion's second year, but technically his first year. I don't, I don't think he's even. He's not even quite at his. He hadn't even played eighty-two games yet. He's getting really close to it. But he's, you know, so this is basically his rookie season. If you look at how much he missed last year, but. So I don't think it's time to paint right now. I think next season is a season where we really need to see some progress. If this team's not in the playoffs next season, I mean, I think then it's time to you know start getting worried because I mean, after three years, you think they have the right pieces around them. Because you look around the NBA, like every team is <laughs> for the most part. I mean, teams are getting better over you know they eventually get better, and this team can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, they have to they have to figure out how to get over this hump and. You know, you look at it over the past, the one playoff series they did win when they swept Portland, they had Rondo on the roster. They had, uh, well, DeMarcus got hurt in that season. But they had some guys on this roster who, and I'll use Rondo for example, he's a guy, he just held guys accountable, and hmm. that's what his team needs. They, they're going to have to find that guy who holds his teammates accountable and knows how to win. And, I mean, these other guys just, haven't really done it, so they just don't know what it takes to to finish the game. They don't have that sense of urgency that you're going to need to to be a really good, uh, you know, playoff kind of caliber team. Rod, you mentioned covering New Orleans. Any local uh, story or heartwarming uh, story that's going to come out of this weekend from that area that's going to uh, a dream come true for a guy? Um, I mean, we have some guys here who. Let me think. Um, I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase is a guy who I got a chance to cover him in high school. And I knew he was 
there are certain guys that I've seen that you just knew that they were going to be really good, and um, he's one of them. And you know, he'll, he's a guy that's actually going up to Cleveland for the draft. He'll be in attendance, and you know, there he'll be one of the first few receivers taken, if if not the first one. Um, I'd probably take him first myself, hmm. but uh, he's you know he's just a really uh, special player. You look at you know him and Devontae Smith is the two top receivers in his draft, hmm. according to most people, and both of those guys are. You know, from from right here, and um, it says a lot about the you know the amount of talent here uh, in this state. I'm trying to think of some other guys who who are from here, but uh, those are two that definitely stick out in my mind just because they're both you know going in the first round for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what what teams do with Smith's uh, lack of smart size. It certainly hasn't yeah, hurt him yeah. at any level so far, has it? No, it hasn't. You know, the, the comparison they always throw out for him is Marvin Harrison and. Obviously, his career turned out <laughs> pretty dang good. So, uh, you know, Devontae can be close to anything close to that level. I mean, he'll be a success in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I think he'll I think he'll do just fine. Rod, thank you so much again for taking time for the podcast. Continued uh, success to you, man, and keep doing incredible work. All right, thanks, man. Anytime y'all need me, don't hesitate to reach out.